1: Got your happy price, price, line. Hello, Halflings!
2: It's me, Jasper William Cartwright, and I am joined today by... <laughs> Leander
1: Unati Lewis but everybody calls me
0: Unati. And... Jeremy Cobb, but Connie from Transplaner calls me Cheremy. As in Woohoo! chair, C-H-A-I-R-E-M-Y. <laughs>
2: that one has like a full origin story as well, which the people will never know. <laughs> I honestly have completely forgotten
0: the origin story.
2: <laughs> it was I because you were talking make. about the chair yeah. you were sat on yeah. at the time. You're right! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So now the people know the backstory. Uh, well, kind of. They don't know what, about, what it is about the chair true, specifically yeah. that was brought up in conversation.
0: That's true. Um, That'll stay secret forever.
1: Mm. Oh my god! The wrong dungeon and the wrong dragon? <laughs> Full
2: Prince vibe? Woof! <laughs> this makes them even more black! Cake glitches and bitches. And lands in the cusp of
0: a teaspoon? Oh no! On a Nat 20. No! Wow. You think this is just a game? That's disgusting and
2: I love it. Yeah! We're about to get into something real big now. Uh <laughs> we have an extra special guest with us today. Uh, he is the host and editor of the Dungeon Masters block, uh, D&DM and Nastix, and the producer of Whelmed, The Young Justice Files, Neil Powell. Welcome to Three Black Halflings. How are you?
3: I'm good. I feel remiss to, because I don't think I mentioned it when we had all of you on the Dungeon Masters block, but my tagline is often uh, DM Neil, aka... Jote maniac jack of all trades master of none iac um so that's my Ooh. handle on twitter and i just use it everywhere so
2: Ooh, nice, nice. very go. good very, small, very you know? so good Dextra- yeah. Yeah. Tantalizing, Tantalizing. whenever whenever, whenever i get to the end of the show and i start plugging our stuff and where you can find us i'm always like uh yeah you can maybe uh, find me like, at jw I, Cart- I think
1: on your show i was like don't follow me. <laughs>
0: honestly, honestly, I feel like part oh. of that. I feel like that's become our brand—the fact that none of us have <laughs> yeah. smooth self-promos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah just slides self-promos. in here with like.
1: I like this
2: truck of self-promotion. Up. Oh. <laughs> like my ex <laughs> is just
1: vegan Love
3: recipes it. and
1: like me yeah. cooking and shit.
3: <laughs> well, I mean. As true as that is, but that is that is a well-oiled machine. And the one that I like more is that I am a bigger fan of other promotion. Like I would just as soon spend whatever time you give me to talk about other things that other people did. So yeah. if you force me, I will definitely talk about myself. But um, oftentimes, <laughs> even if I have a guest, which you all kind of felt... I'll talk you up. Like if you're on, I'm going to talk you up. So um, yeah. that's
0: the that's the way I go.
1: Yes, spread the light. Gas your people. That's yes. the Neil Powell
0: yeah. promise, folks. The Neil yep. Powell promise.
2: The Neil Powell promise. <laughs> uh, I love that. Well, if you ever want to come and do uh, the the uh, sort out all of our uh, self promo and how we should promote ourselves, then just let us know. Like,
1: I'm- Like I mean like If you want to like Help me get out of bed In the morning You know what I mean Like do my laundry And like If you should be like Yo Nazi you did that hey. thing You washed your socks today Big Done. up to you I'd really appreciate that my, my go-to way of
3: doing that I learned from a very early age From my <laughs> uncle He would come I'd be dead asleep He would run into the room Yank off all the covers And shout Get up and pee The world's on fire And you're just like What? <laughs> I love that
0: well, It's so shocking on? That you immediately pee Before getting yeah, up <laughs> Yeah well,
3: That's why he took the covers off He only yeah. wants to do so much laundry In a day Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah Yeah yeah. 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 my yeah, sure. grandma used to do the same thing Picks you up and runs you into no. the bathroom.
2: <laughs> yeah. well, where, no,
0: no, to where the fire? Yes. <laughs> I'm assuming he's not lying. To the
1: fire? Yeah, just like just there's a fire, fire. Jeremy. Yes. Like come focus. on, uh, hope
0: it's not an electrical fire. So anyway, this is going to make it a lot worse. We could get to the actual.
2: Yes, yes, Neil, Neil,
0: Neil, 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 fire hose, Powell. Done.
2: done uh so neil we always whenever we have guests on the show we always like to ask them about their origin story uh for how they got into dungeons and dragons was it like a calling from an early age or did you come to it slightly later in uh in your life what what uh what yeah how did you get into this amazing game and uh and how did it get hooks in you yeah so it seems to do that to a lot of people (laughs)
3: it certainly wasn't yesterday um so a friend of my mom's her husband uh obviously was a little bit older and I was about 10 years old and they just didn't have kids. So I was kind of like that second home. Um, and he had been playing for a while. And so at this point, it's well over 20 years ago. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't like the math we're doing, but that's fine. So at this point I guess it's 25 years ago. Um, but basically he introduced me to second edition in an interesting way. So it was the Sinister Secrets of Salt Marsh module, and he made a whole party for me to play as. Um, and then helped me because then it was like, here's all kind of a quick smattering of all of your options. And I'm helping you through what's speaking to you as a character um, and like the different options, then ran me in a solo campaign with just one character and one DM eventually inviting me to his home campaign. Um, and the full circle of that story is that I DM him and his brother and now they're adult sons at my table.
0: Oh, That's really cool. That's so I'm not awesome. I'm crying you up. <laughs> <laughs>
3: there's
0: so much. There's so many cool things about that. It, I really like the idea of teaching you how to play the game by having you play mm. a bunch of characters at once of different classes because it really it gives you like the a, a quick crash course on the ins and outs of the different uh, classes and sometimes some of the races and stuff. And then it's just really cool to hear that it's uh it's come full circle like that.
3: Yeah, and so we didn't play. I mean, there were there was definitely a, a big span of time where. Where We weren't in games together. um, But then, like I said, it finally circled back around and then we were all together and then they're like we were playing and their sons weren't old enough. And then eventually they were.
0: And so that's the that's Mm -hmm. the table that I'm at now the dungeon student has become the dungeon master indeed
3: yes
2: yes I love that and I, I I, uh, really enjoy the idea like Jeremy was saying of like introducing you in that way purely because as well it stops having those like misconceptions I feel like everyone when you first sit down you read and you go oh rogue okay this is what a rogue has to be I like the idea that you just kind of meet it almost like a bit mechanically and just like what do I find more fun do you know what I mean because Mm -hmm. then I think that you uh, removes that thing of like oh clerics are always rubbish we're actually in D&D they're one of the best classes because you <laughs> They've purposely tried to make it not rubbish, and just like the healer of the group, you know. It's so, like you get to experience the fun of being a cleric without being like, oh no, clerics suck. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, and I think I, like I that. think
3: about how much easier that concept is now because if I think about trying to do it in, so I, I was brought in during second edition, like that effort on the part of the DM is much higher. And then even in third edition, what if I thought about doing it right now? I could just go grab the starter set and just have the person play all of them. They're printed. They're mm-hmm. ready. Like here here's the whole crew, mm. give them names and let's go and let's see what ends up being the, what you enjoyed the most.
0: Yeah. yeah. Nice. Cause second edition nice. was a lot crunchier, wasn't it? And even yeah. third edition, both of them are yeah. much crunchier. Yeah.
3: Thacko when your armor class goes yeah. down
0: and people Ooh. would weep when you attempted to grapple. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because it was <laughs> That's... you had to bring out several volumes of rules to figure out how to mm-hmm. think, yeah yeah um, oh yeah gr-
2: yeah grappling that was like a yeah that the amount of guests that have like mentioned grappling in second edition then shuddered on the zoom yeah. <laughs> 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 i'm glad i've never met this yeah. before we had That's to pause so good several
0: uh, interviews so that the guests yes. could take a quick breather after yeah. the take it to mention to pull of grappling. themselves
1: towards themselves you know
0: yes so
2: I guess my question then is sort of how does it go from being this love, uh, this like kind of family thing uh, into like more of a public sphere into these, these shows that you work on? Um, What, what, at what point did you realize this is more than just like a fun hobby, but something that you really genuinely want to like do and bring out into the world. Cause I think that's always an interesting step Mm. uh, for people to take.
3: Yeah. So the, so it didn't actually start with me. So that makes my origin story with the Dungeon Masters blog a little bit more interesting because it started with um, Mitch and Chris and an iPhone because back in the heady days of six years ago, um, it, in a lot of ways, it, it's a similar origin story to how you all started, because I know you searched for black people doing this sort of thing, like, but it wasn't there, which is just nuts. But back then it was nobody was really doing it. There were a few podcasts that had been around for hundreds and hundreds of episodes. I mean, and now it's just like you you accidentally stumble into an actual play just because you were outside um, and someone's just yeah. like yeah. handing it yeah. to yeah. you. Yeah. And so it was, it's that sort of thing now, but back back about um, in 2015, when we were very first starting, that was kind of the thing, it, it, there wasn't that many shows. Um, and Mitch and Chris had realized these are the conversations we're having anyways. Why are we not necessarily recording him and putting them out. Um, so one of the things I've learned about this fandom and one of the things I promote the most is to be actively engaged. And so that's what my origin story is. I observed what they were doing. I really liked how they were doing it. And I just openly asked and said, how can I be involved? How can I help you? And it wasn't how... It wasn't, here's how I can help you. It's how can I help you? Um, So of course they made me edit. Um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Acts of service service are important. (laughs) (laughs) Acts of service are important, but then you land up cutting the damn thing. Yeah. 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 So
3: that's where it all started. And then what, what, um, my intro further in was the idea of DMnastics, the gym where dungeon masters can work out their mind. Um, mm. So basically it was taking the original episodes and finding a, like a small actionable exercise that someone could do with that information. So if it was like the magic of magic is one series we have where we look at things from magic, the gathering and add them to D and D. And so then it's taking that next step of like going to a, like we have a forum grabbing random cards, putting them on there saying magic, something uh, and so then it was that's what dmnastic mm-hmm. is in compared to the dm's block it's a like legitimate step-by-step exercise mm-hmm. go through this and like I said lift the mental weights
1: that's super cool I'm going to do that with my housemates because I have no idea what they want to do with anything like with their characters nothing I'm just to, I've am just i got a whole bunch of Magic the Gathering cards I'm going to be like here you go pick the one that yeah. speaks to the most now this is how you can make it work <laughs> yeah
3: and, and it, it's such an interesting exercise I mean yeah. so uh, so I bought a pack of Magic cards for no other purpose than that last yeah. night for that's about sweet. five bucks and so and the joy of that is also like I don't know what I'm going to get so mm. literally I'll open that booster pack and let's see what happens um, yeah. so so again that's that's that. That's that inspiration of, of DMNastics.
2: I have some Magic the Gathering cards, which I'm going to go open right after we record <laughs> Yeah, yes. like I opened my second and they arrived I have been Jasper. sat there for so long, and I've had no. I was like, man, yeah, well, I will,
1: I will, I will. And then I was now I'm like, oh, there's cool. so sick. I'm there's the like card. incredible <laughs> stuff in there. That's like, yeah. I'm going to take that. Thank you very much for that tidbit, yeah. Neil. I am yep. going to use that. <laughs>
3: well, yeah, and even because because you could open it up and you could be like, that's my character, like, and you didn't know mm-hmm. that until literally the second before you yeah. see what whatever that is and. Uh, yes. It, yes.
1: Representation matters. Uh, you're like, in- like, I could plug that <laughs> in there. Mm-hmm. You're like yeah.
0: inspired by the art and like the name and the abilities mm-hmm. of the uh, like the yeah. card in particular. Yeah, yeah, so every yeah.
3: everything about it, and so then even certain aspects, and it's got it's developed more over time from published WotC material. I mean, they're they're literally in the same building. So then you're having those worlds come out as published things, um, and but then even going back to older sets, seeing the how those mechanics work, and then yeah, in, in integrating those further into your D and D game.
1: That's super cool. Okay. Thank you. That's mm, very yeah. very cool. So I'm going to take some notes. <laughs> <laughs> so Dungeon Master's Block
0: is a little bit more, I guess. Ideological and theoretical, yeah. uh, just from having, I guess, listened to it and taught and and been on it. But listen to you guys talk about it; it seems to be more of like you're talking about. For instance, uh, I listened this week, uh, among several, to the. TPK episode that you did Mm -hmm. uh, recently where you're talking about how to deal with TPKs in some cases to use TPKs to your advantage uh, different ways of kind of spitting the TPK uh, where it's like it's more Unati's having a full breakdown right now Okay, if you're
2: wondering why Jeremy's far- struggling not to laugh, it's because Unati is covering her mouth and I've <laughs> also...
0: Yeah, leaned her.
1: fully <laughs> away from her microphone.
2: Because
0: uh, I'm stuck has in a really,
1: like, sticky TPK situation and I don't know how to oh, get baby. out! I don't know
0: how to get out! Unati, <laughs> you need to listen to the episode. It's, yeah, it's I will, I will, I will, I will. Thank you, thank you. Um, Sorry,
1: continue, Jeremy. bye But
0: how did you work your way up uh, from editor to eventually co-host?
3: Yeah, so that, so the, so the original DMNASTICS was a segment within the episode. Um, so basically it was a five to minute, five to 10 minute uh, segment that would specifically reference back to a previous episode that would then be in a later episode. So like, you know, that's just for simple numbers saying episode 75, I, DMNASTICS would come on and be like, Hey, I was inspired by episode 50 uh, about magic cards. Here's how you could use those in a game step-by-step. Step. Um, so it was that approach eventually spinning out into its own thing, um, and then me being uh, a more regular host after after kind of that integration of DMNastics uh, to be to being on the Dungeon Masters Block.
0: Okay, that's nice. cool. okay. So it's kind of like if Stephen Colbert instead of spinning off for his own show had become co-host. Uh, of the Daily Show mm-hmm. back in the day. Like, you started out as a segment and then uh, mm-hmm. graduated to being co-host. Yep. So I actually wanted to ask, it, because since the the DMnastics is so much more about, like, practical, how do you put this together, how do you, like, mechanically draw this out uh, from, like, different sources, and developing those aspects, and uh, Dungeon Master's block seems to be kind of a mix of, like, mechanical stuff, but especially creative elements that you can improve and develop as a Dungeon Master. For, as a DM yourself, what's your approach because i know some people go in like very numbers heavy very crunchy they maybe run like a lot of dungeon crawls or maybe you know straight like classic dnd quest type stuff some people go in more for like the combat light rp heavy some people go in for like the collaborative storytelling element how uh, how would you describe your dm approach so my home game
3: it ends up being a lot more mechanical because those are again those are the same people that brought me up in second edition through third edition um there was another mm-hmm. edition, um, and we're playing fifth edition. Um, and I also uh, played for a really long time in the Emerald Spire, which is a super dungeon in Pathfinder. So we actually went over to Pathfinder um, for for quite a while. So it ends up being pretty cr- crunchy. But I do knowing that that's what a lot of my table likes, and so then I do mm-hmm. also make really concerted efforts to say, okay, but and then but like, what is your background? I'll make that my job to integrate those things as we go along and other things uh, come up at the table. When it's not, and it's usually for streamed games, I usually end up straying pretty far away from mechanics to stay more agile in those moments because then there's no – it's not, I mean, you're on a stream. I can't be like, hey, cool. Yes. I need to air quote, go to the bathroom because I don't know what's happening anymore. I really <laughs> just need to look a bunch of stuff up online. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and so I end up moving away. But so I have a, I ran a stream that was all focused on being inside of Undermountain. Um And that ended up one of being, while it was there, and I did have mechanics on hand, it ended up being one of the most RP heavy, amazing games that I've ever played. Um, so then, Mm. so, so that's basically kind of my home versus one shot or stream nice. Oh, okay.
2: I, I wonder if I can piggyback actually a little bit on that question, Jeremy, because um, we, are, you know, I'm like a I'm a massive home brewer, and I've been doing a lot more recently in terms of actually like reskidding things and like putting things mechanically into game uh, that aren't quite there or, you know, taking something and changing it a little bit. Like, what's your approach? What would be your advice, I guess, to listeners who maybe are trepidatious about uh, like adding in homebrew elements because they're worried of the worry about breaking the world or overpowering something, underpowering something uh, that kind of thing because obviously you do a lot of that especially in uh, DMnastics and I'm just interested what's your what's, what would be your approach or, or advice on that one?
3: I think the biggest piece of advice is they're right like, so it's gonna happen and so you need to be okay with that up, up front and have ideas on how to undo that in those moments because one of the biggest mm. things and I don't know where that piece of advice came from but it's it, I, oftentimes I'll look at a, like health points um, so let's say it's 10d10 That theoretically means in a worst case scenario that that monster has 10 hit points and in the best case scenario has 100 hit points. Technically, all of those answers are right because it's all mm. it's all the power of the dice. And so figuring out what that what that looks like and then just changing it in that moment and having those dials to turn. Um, and another big one is figuring out advantage and dis for speaking specifically to 5E. The other dials that I always have ready to turn are advantage and disadvantage and whether or not someone has proficiency. Um, because that because mm, okay. that swings things in a really big direction. If I were to say you don't you have disadvantage and you don't have proficiency versus you do have advantage and you can use your proficiency bonus,
1: mm. like sure.
3: that that swing yeah, is yeah, yeah, really yeah. really big in either yeah. direction. And you're the you're the reason that there can be uh, environmentally advantages and disadvantages at any moment like because oh, you can introduce yeah. right. um <laughs> rocks fall everyone dies or rocks fall and yeah. everyone has difficult terrain and so now that disadvantage yeah. is applied
2: that's a, that's awesome i'd never thought of um i'd never thought of the idea of environmentally if i'd you know if something was uh, not working, or you know, uh, being too underpowered or too overpowered, then sort of chucking in something that could then, yeah, like you said, um, very simply, you know, uh, we know with it being damage dice or advantage disadvantages. That's something mm-hmm. that's so easy to like do on the fly, as opposed to just panicking and being like, "I'm gonna kill all my players. Yeah. Or, this is my big bad, and they're getting smoked real hard." <laughs> yeah, no, like, and that's, that's absolutely yeah. right.
1: Like, and that, like, because I, I tend to sort of like struggle with that, like RP, like world, like I'm, um, like I'm in my element, but when it Comes to like balancing mm-hmm. those encounters. I'm like, ah, I don't want to go too big. Um, or <laughs> yeah. I don't want to like underplay it. But like also understanding that your environment is also something that you're playing is really, really useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, Absolutely. And, and,
3: well, I mean, even lower, uh, we had talked about it on the episode that you were all on that the idea is also. I think, we I don't know, maybe there's not a nice way. Um, I think people are too beholden to like higher level monsters having layer actions and legendary actions. Like mm. sure, like yeah. a layer, I mean, a layer, it sounds so ominous, but it's like, that's just where the person lives. Like you're mm-hmm. in my house. Like mm. that's how the layer works. So a uh, first yeah. level creature has every right or reason to have layer actions. If that's where you're encountering them.
1: Yeah. And yeah.
3: and so that's another thing you could introduce because it just happens on turn order 20. So there's no reason why you can't just half halfway through the battle introduce a layer action because you're in their environment.
2: Yeah. and also there's no reason that even if it's like a, a chicken they'll, there's still going to be one you know <laughs> a chicken that's stronger than the rest of the chickens therefore it's a legendary chicken yeah. do you know what I mean
1: oh yeah. uh, <laughs> please don't talk about chickens I'm still trying to find all the damn chickens in Legends of Zelda in freaking yep. Legends of Zelda like mm-hmm. I can't I can't I'm st- one last damn chicken it's been a you're- year <laughs> now I
0: want to play in a game where you're a fox infiltrating a chicken coop
1: uh, I mean, <laughs> and you come up against legendary
0: yeah, yeah, chickens, legendary chickens. <laughs> and also the chicken lair like chicken gets lair actions like chicken yeah, yeah, gets into your face and you, everything the area is obscured those uh, claws man <laughs> those
1: claws and it stinks those claws are it deadly it stinks it makes yeah. you want to fucking thunder yeah.
0: mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. It
1: makes you want Mm -hmm. to slightly chunder. Please cut out my cursing. (laughs) No,
2: they
0: should remain. They shall remain. Um, (laughs) We're adding it to the intro. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, I also wanted to say, in terms of the HP thing, that is is an idea that I have used before, because in the very first game that I ever ran, uh, the big bad, like the players had stomped through the first, most of the first few encounters, um, in large part because I let one of the players, the Barbarian min-max, so that he started with maximum strength and 19 constitution. Uh, So he's just an absolute monster at level one. (laughs) Uh, And he yeah he started with like i think he started with 16 or 17 hit points it was crazy but he on in the final one i was like oh no the the bad guy's going down too soon so i start just increasing the number of hit points not to some insane amount but it's like i set myself a rough parameter i'm not going to go over this amount but let's make this an actually challenging encounter and i the the idea of like schrodinger's hit points where it's as strong (laughs) or as weak within these parameters as i need it to be yeah uh, until we actually, yeah, until it actually happens, yeah. I think is a really useful tool. That and really I've useful. heard it sometimes criticized as like bad DMing, but honestly, if under the circumstances, as long as you're not just like,
1: be- no. yeah, being like, an <laughs> absolute like, like be asshole. Because I think, like, I mean, like, I'm terrible at math, but I kind of do that instinctively. Like, if I notice that, like, this is not going to be satisfying narratively for my players. Yes. Like if they get the, through yeah. this in like the next three rounds, it's not going to be satisfying for all of the build up. That I, there will be no payoff. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of mm-hmm. like, um, I'm going to make it last another three rounds. And <laughs> so <then> I'll adjust <laughs> the HP because then by the time it gets there, then then they're like really good. I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. Now this is fine. This is fine. Cool. And if they beat me at that point, sweet, you know, and I just kind of do that organically. So that's kind of useful to understand that from like a technical mechanical point of view, mm-hmm. because I I don't know what a DM because I hate numbers. <laughs> <laughs> I can't count.
2: <laughs> but I think Neil, though, like I think you you nailed it, and I, I uh, is something that I really enjoy. I love it when, as a player when the the bad guy gets down to half hit points and suddenly starts pulling out some extra bells mm-hmm. and whistles. I think that's like the best moment. It's like the kind of oh, oh no, no. <laughs> like oh we in it now. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Out. When 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 suddenly lair actions start happening and the DM's like yeah yeah they're looking worried and a bit concerned so mm-hmm. they're kind of like less concerned with their own safety so they start like pulling rocks down and you know what I mean there's like mm-hmm. I like I think that's a it, it definitely can work narratively mm-hmm. um for that like kind of half hit point thing and I, I think that could really work yeah, yeah.
3: and I think what well, the other thing I was thinking is that because I've had a scenario where my group absolutely destroyed uh big bad but i didn't change how fast that happened because it wasn't the dice deciding it was them deciding they spent oh, all yes, the extra sure. effort all the extra time mm. all of this preparation mm. that basically they stacked all of their resources into the heavy hitter you know if you think about it, large you think about like true strike and all these Ice, things yeah. and it just went yeah, and yeah. then the bad the bad guy just disappeared. And I was like... "Crumbles, <laughs> Well done. Fair enough. I, yes. But, but like I said, if it's that dice swinging in a way where it's, I'm rolling all ones, they're rolling all 20s, there is that element, like, Unati, you're mentioning... It, they, mm. It doesn't feel great.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, sometimes it does feel great, like when Jeremy's rolling all <laughs> ones in Wargame. Oh, I, I look for that.
1: Uh, I look for that. Uh, or oh, when he realizes it's mean, like <laughs> bonus action aggressive, and he's like, "What? Sorry, in a situation what's like that."
0: I think I think it works because the setup to it. You guys always go into the battle being like, "Oh no," and no. like terrified, and then, and then and it becomes really funny just, when I'm just rolling yeah. threes for <laughs> six rounds yes, and just getting genius. destroyed.
2: The, the best thing about Wagado is that you know it gets bad for you as a DM when your sorcerer is, st- is improvising with his staff just taking <laughs> opportunity <laughs> attacks to bop them on the head and killing them Like that's that's when it gets real embarrassing
0: oh, uh, that, uh, that, that, that show is a parade of womps. just me getting womped over and it over, and you over. Thank you for and bonus <laughs> Thank you
1: so much Thank you for realising how that works on I thank myself I'm going to take a Snoop Dogg moment and I just want to thank myself for realizing I, I, that I could burn
0: both- <laughs> actually I wanted to say also I do I totally agree with you Neil that uh if the players if it's if if it's a situation where the players have just straight out played really well then mm-hmm. it's, you're just rewarding them for being good like yeah. you're just being like dude you guys did this awesome yeah i was in a game once where we did that and the dm increased the, the opponent oh. from like 120 to over 300 no, hit points nope.
1: That's not <laughs> <fair>.
0: <laughs> yeah it was i get i get where the dm was coming from it was part like part of it was that we'd had a really good plan and also part of it was that like i think i critted I, we all surprised the bad guy, and then I created with like a, a third level inflict wounds. <laughs> And so drop like ten d ten or something on him in the first round, and then oh, also the paladin critted on like a third level smite or second level smite. Oh my uh, wow. It was it was brutal, uh, <laughs> and that was how we did that much damage. But still, you just gotta let it happen. I'd be like, you you gotta know, let it happen.
2: I'd be interested, Neil. I'd be interested to know what's your opinion of doing it the other way. Like if you're reading a room and like the and it's like not necessarily that they're in a TPK situation, so therefore something narratively interesting might happen. But it's like. Like they're gonna win, but it's it's getting a bit crunchy, or it's getting. Do you know what I mean? Like, I wonder if you've ever encountered that. I feel like I've have like once or twice. What what would be your thought on that? Like, if you feel like it's getting a bit crunchy, I don't. This isn't narratively going to be really interesting if they all get killed by a bunch of like I don't know quicklings yeah. or like you know yeah. what I mean. Like or even that the result is monsters. inevitable.
0: You know they're gonna win. Why are we yes, are waiting another six a long time. to get this? Yeah. over? There? yeah. So.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Yes. So to speak back to Jeremy's point, sometimes people don't agree with these mentalities. And I'm okay with that. If that's the way you want to run your table, and you truly do want to just straight up let the dice decide. That's great. I don't mm. I do exactly what you're saying. And so the idea is also like, if it gets to that point, I try and determine if there is a way to have any level of narrative payoff with, like, let's say the death of this monster. Um, and so then mm. you kind of get into potentially the idea of, like, uh, is there somebody that maybe isn't getting the spotlight as often enough this session um, or this game? Because, again, if we're in that range and it's not like the, the most I can get out of it is like giving the basically kind of giving the kill to a certain person. But why not? Like what like there's no reason not to because like you said, it, it's inevitable. They're clearly gonna win. No one's having as much fun because they also realize it's inevitable. But determining like is there any is there any at all narrative piece of like, oh, these are the same monsters that took my village? Well, like let's let's mm. let that character do it. Like why not? Or again, like yeah. going back to someone yeah. that hasn't had as much spotlight this session and going with the classic Matt Mercer, how do you want to do it?
2: It's time we thank this week's sponsor, Scent Air. Halflings, let me ask you a question. Do any of you suffer from nose blindness or did you suffer from nose blindness? Because I used to until my wife uh, introduced me to what you could do with a space if you made it smell, you know, a little bit better. Scent Air has over 30 years of experience scenting homes, stores, event spaces and beyond. And now you can shop online and scent the mood of your home or business. Scent Air diffusers are sleek and fill your space with a vivid and subtle fragrance for up to 300 hours. Just imagine filling your home with the smell of fresh linen. Just imagine filling your home with the smell of fresh linen sheets for 300 hours. The Scent Air app also lets you schedule your fragrance and control the intensity right from your phone. Scent Air is available online in the US, Canada, and now in the UK and France. And now you may be thinking to me, well, maybe do I need this? need? Let me throw out something for you. Imagine scenting your D&D spaces. You've got a crew coming over and you really want to get them into the mood. So you light your candles, you get your snacks ready. And then what do you do? You fill the room with a gorgeous scent that is so evocative of the world that they're going to be in. Perhaps your party is going to explore a new and incredible marketplace. And so you fill the air with Tuscan orange scent or even pink grapefruit or sun shower or maybe they're going to a sophisticated party and so you fill the air with a dark vanilla pomelo scent or perhaps it's a classic pirate themed adventure and so you fill the air with an ocean scent or island breeze. This year, try luxury home fragrance trusted by pros by going to scentair.com and using the promo code halflings for 25% off your first order. That's halflings for 25% off your first order.
1: Mm. Yeah. yeah.
2: Absolutely, and I think that there is a lot of uh, there is a lot of scenarios where I think you as a DM have to. Well, you realise that you are the DM, right? You are the dungeon master. You are in full control of this world, and therefore, if there is a moment for something narratively that it would be so sweet, uh, but maybe it's ever so slightly against what the dice have said, or maybe you haven't got it in your extensive notes. Like that's so fine yeah. because ultimately you're there to tell a story, and like we've said multiple multiple times, trust the dice because the dice are like the best. Story storytelling component yeah. that you could add because it will always enrich you and, mm-hmm. and bring something new but I think in that scenario it's absolutely you're absolutely right um, that, that you can do that and also advice for players yeah. uh, I've heard this a few times recently in shows I've listened to where like players get a bit more like inventive about the way they might describe something so like say the DM says uh, Jeremy uh, uh, how do you want to do this whatever and uh, but Neil this is the monster that's wronged your family I've heard players recently kind of be like I hand my sword Hello, to Neil yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean, and I think like that's that like that's for awesome. me, I'm like as a DM, I'm like that's kickass. Yeah. Like you should, like I would encourage all players to realize you have the agency to do that. As long as your DM, I mean, if you're at the end of a bu- end of a fight, it, it could get a little sticky if you're like midway through a yeah. fight, and that that person's the other side of the of the the, the thing or whatever. Do you know yeah. what I mean? But generally, I, I feel like as cool. a DM, I. Would, definitely let that moment yeah, happen yeah no for sure
1: because I think I had like by way of example I had a s- similar thing at sort of my table in, in that one of my players like had picked a character that they didn't really like eventually mechanically and so we like we figured out how to like kill them out of the game without the other players at the table knowing and then they all kind of tried to save him um, <laughs> <laughs> like, but, we, but it was epic like it was absolutely epic like I timed it out like I made it happen at a distance I knew they would all stay it would take several rounds like we, it kind of all worked and then he and And then he was killed and came back as like a, like a death cleric. Um, And then once they all managed to kill the big bad. And so the game I sort of run is like this colonial world where what would happen if um, the ancestors had intervened. And I remember there was one line that sort of came to me in the moment where I was channeling my inner racist, where I'd said, "Um, I I will, I will stab you like the, I will gut you like the sow that you are. And I knew that um, my, I, I was running the game, uh, New Bethesda, like she was, she was, she was dead. Like this, this uh Chen had, um, sorry, Chang Chang had just killed her. Like that amount of hit points would have done it. But I knew that Chen was next on the initiative order. So I just held mm. off and I was like, how do you want to do this? And it became this beautiful like moment of like retribution and like ending the thing that mm. the party really, really mm. enjoyed. Like, I mean, she had like what, three hit points left. Like I could have just called it then. But I was like, no, come on. Like you get to have this moment. Mm-hmm it's for you and then he said i will gut you like the sow that you are and it was just epic because he remembered the line and it was yeah. just like beautiful Ooh. with his character like mm. god of war music playing in the background it was stunning and i was like yes yes we did it yes. <laughs> so i think Very i think cool. like if things can happen narratively like that totally allow it um but that's just me also excusing the fact that i cannot count <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah know she has got to get out of jail free card because she might just not have calculated yeah. it right so maybe you know, but <laughs> maybe
0: narratively it, but, and, it was fucking beautiful just going by how <laughs> it feels folks yeah. Yeah. Just going by how, feel. how many hit points yeah. i don't know however however many it feels appropriate, appropriate. To yeah, it feels <laughs> appropriate yeah yeah you yeah, did yeah. 14 that sounds like a lot of damage we'll say it started looking hurt <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh neil you you had said uh well throughout this i think one thing that you kept bringing back is that the fact that you try and tailor your dming to the players uh and i was curious uh i don't know how what your tables are like diversity wise but i'm curious in terms of trying to like uh tailor things to your players how you approach uh like diversity in terms of whether you have a diverse group of players at the table uh Or whether you're bringing in, uh, like, drawing from different cultures that D&D maybe doesn't focus on as much, things like that, introducing those into your games, diverse cultures, peoples, etc. How do you approach that uh, from your DMing? Yeah. uh, From a DMing point of view, that is. Contextually...
3: cause we're in a podcast setting. I am paper white. So we'll just, we'll, we'll start there. And so th- <laughs> just, just for just a quick frame of, of reference. And so one of the big things is one of the biggest things I would say from every aspect is that, and this is going to be very simplistic, but I mean it with as much weight as possible is that words have meanings.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: So, and they can mean different things for different people. So like, It's super important. It sounds very simple. And in a lot of ways, it sounds almost like, like cliche and dumb, but no, like words have meanings. Um, So I think one of the biggest things about approaching diversity is finding the right word about those cultures that I look at, because I think one of the biggest go-to words is how are they different? And I think that's always the wrong question to ask, because my question is, how are they awesome? Like, or mm. what mm. about this, this group? What about this culture? What about this individual makes them awesome? Why are they, why, why are they there? Like, mm. I mean, as simple as that is, like, I, that's the right question. I need to be asking about why they're being introduced into my game or at my table in, in, in
2: yeah, why are they awesome enough to be involved in your fantasy mm-hmm. realm? Mm. This incredible, awesome mm-hmm. place that you've made. Why have you picked these specific yeah. people? Yeah. yeah, that's so beautiful, yeah. man. Like that—that's really like such a, a great way of. Putting it that I've never like encountered before, and I'm now annoyed at myself. Like, I caught this, goddamn it! How are
3: they saying, same, same, but different. I'm going steal it, but I will credit oh, you every yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. perfect. Yeah. But yes, yeah, so that, that's my that's my ba- my biggest thing. And so then, contextually, like, no, I don't I don't have a very diverse table of people that are playing at my table. So I I, I also have a relatively large. Table. I'm trying to... I can't do math either. I don't know. Sometimes people show up, sometimes they <laughs> Better don't. Than me. Yeah, so I have... I have... <laughs> six players. Two plus play- two is five. Yeah, six, six <laughs> players, including myself. That was the problem. I'm like, who, yeah, I count, right? I am a person. Yeah, I'm a person at the table. So yes, there's seven me, people around then. the table, and then I have two uh, POC at the table. But they're all men. Um, and so there, there's that aspect as well. But again, my biggest mm. thing is... Why would I? Why am I introducing this person, this culture, or anything at the table? Mm. There needs to be a reason, and I need to know what that reason is. So,
1: la la. <laughs> yeah. la la. I'm ululating very yes. badly because if I ululate into <laughs> this mic, I will literally blow into the red. <laughs> 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 the listeners will be like, Oh,
2: why? L- l- legit, though, this is an actual <laughs> concern, though, when you're playing on Zoom, like a lot. Like, there are times where I really want to. <laughs> Like yeah. properly, you know, scream, and yeah. uh, then I tend to get a message from from Jade, our amazing producer, being like, "Hey, just a, just a touch quieter, if you can. Like yeah. everyone in the building can hear you, uh, <laughs> hear you t- describing how this dragon is getting slain right now." Like, okay, cool, cool, cool,
1: cool, 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 cool. cool, sorry, cool, 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 so, cool. so I'm not. I I'm, I'm, I am in my flat. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, okay, awesome. yes, yeah, so <laughs>
2: I am actually in my yeah. flat,
1: and not on the, <laughs> the field.
0: Um, so in terms of, I, I guess in terms of. um the published materials as well Because obviously we've talked about on The fact on the show that sometimes Some of the stuff that's in the published materials Carries over some Uh I guess the, the best phrase would be some backwards ideologies that have maybe not been fully interrogated. Uh, and, and <laughs> though uh, Not to say that anything's intentional, but like, in uh, I mean, I know that one of the big sticking points for a lot of people is the half-orc race mm-hmm. and how like the evolution, I mean, talking about second edition, I know what how they were originally described, I think in first edition as coming about and how that has evolved over time. But even still, there's still some issues there do have you found like have you how i guess how do you approach those elements of the game as well not just in terms of introducing the characters but also taking stuff that's in the the game itself that may not uh be as welcoming to people of diverse backgrounds of any kind
3: yeah and i think that i was so I've obviously I've also been investing a lot of thought into this. Um, one of the biggest things is also like any amount of answering this question is research that I need to do. Like first and foremost, mm. like these these aren't things that you need to add. Like trying to put it the onus on like you as the DM, like this is the research you need to be doing. Like as a person, like not just asking. Mm. Um, because I mean, there there is a scenario where like. I could just ask all of you, like, what should I be doing? Like, that's not, that's not the right. Agreed. Agreed. So that's not the right approach because like, even, even that is so, so focused of like that's you trying to answer that for me, like what, what, what is the point of that? It's
1: not my responsibility to educate you.
2: Yeah. I've got my own
1: shit to do. Please leave me alone. Hydrated, moisturized, and minding my own business. I'm sorry. Please continue. (laughs)
3: So, so, but that's the biggest thing. And also, like, I I think the way you. I'm trying to figure out the the exact wording that you would use, but like it hasn't been interrogated because you also see even just from a mechanical perspective, things that have lasted that shouldn't be there. If you look at Mm -hmm. things that have ties back to what is the alignment and it only works for this person with this certain alignment. If those things Mm -hmm. just from a raw mechanical perspective, haven't been out, been removed then the nuance, the level of nuance that is involved with this conversation probably hasn't been interrogated to the depth that it needs to be. Um, so then I think that's that, I think that's also the question that I ask of myself. I need to ask of the published material is why is that, why is that person? Why is that culture? Why is it there? Um, Mm -hmm. and if I, if I don't like the answer, that's the joy of being the DM. You change it.
2: Yeah. 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 I think, especially when it comes to, uh, Uh, especially when it comes to content that feels... Uh, especially like mechanically, the mechanical stuff really kind of irks me as well because I think that that's where it gets a bit tricky for people, and I think that's something that we've talked about a lot on this show is trying to enable people or uh, uh, m- kind of embolden people to feel like they can change those things because mm. that's always the one that I think gets me where people feel like, oh, but it's in the books, and that's like it's just that they get a minus yeah. to this intelli- to their intelligence or do you know what yeah. I mean, something like this, and you just and it, and so I, I feel like it, it's really good advice because uh, it is very important, especially when it comes to that mechanical stuff where you kind of go like. There is no real reason that that should be that hang way. around or that should be a, th- that should be a thing, yeah. you know? It's been really great um, doing the
1: show because really, like, for me, like, as a DM, there's been, like, a real marked journey just by virtue of doing the show and engaging with more, like, creators and, like, makers and Jeremy and mm. Jasper. Like, kind of, like, taking that onus and going, um, D&D has given me a guide and that's all it is, is mm. a guide. Like I it's not gospel. <laughs> like it's, it's okay. The pirate code. It, yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like line it's, you more know, like yes. Gygax is not gonna come and smite me from above <laughs> if I change something.
2: It's okay. But if he does, I'ma be ready because it turns out I'm a fifth <laughs> level and <barbarous laughs> so I'm rage taking <laughs> half damage. <it. laughs> I mean, cool. uh, I'm gonna be mechanically ready to fight you, Gygax.
0: <laughs> yeah. That was really well put. Yeah, all of that to say, like
3: the published material has problems. Like you, you, and and again, I've listened to everything, and I'm going back through um, and catching catching up on the actual play, uh, of course. Um, but hey. but the the conversation you previously had about just um, yeah, just just contextually, like there are problems because I, I think going back to like even the first thing that I said, words have meaning, um, mm-hmm. and I and I think it's not. Some of that hasn't been approached in that way um mm.
2: and I think it's it's a it's a it's a slight attitude thing which I think is shifting in the public lexicon as opposed to just like in our community as well the idea that words have meanings I think for a lot of people uh, there was uh, when a lot of uh change has happened since you know like uh, early sort of 2000s 2010s kind of onwards the idea that words have meaning the ideas that words can really change people's lives affect it on a very fundamental level mm. uh, the, the the way we approach words in society etc and I think that we're just starting to get to that point now as a community where we're realising oh like if I say if I continue to repeat the same stereotypes in my home games with my group of friends I'm going to perpetuate this thing that I actually like you know because I think it's um Uh, You know, it's always one of the things that's hardest to do when you're in a close group of friends and there's people make jokes about something and you kind of feel like, ah, I don't, I should call that. I Mm. don't feel comfortable calling that out or I don't feel comfortable kind of addressing that. But like D genuinely is something where you can help to mould the yeah. way that we we approach these things. You can change the the sort of the way that you talk and the way that you approach things. Um, you know, uh, uh, I've I you know D D's been helping me getting over my uh, uh, you know getting used to using they them pronouns mm-hmm. and things like that. Do you know what I mean? So it's a very real. There's very real world tangible yeah. things that you can do just by altering the the lexicon with use yeah the game. and i
1: think um on that jasper as well i think like you say neil like words have power but i think like the further extension as well from that is that one like you're talking about you know people becoming more aware um what's starting to happen is like releasing that process of like it feels like a personal attack and just understanding that your unconscious mm. bias has power like you need to like and and i have it I have unconscious bias. We all do. So like I need to kind of like sit down and go, hang on, how am I not seeing this? I'm seeing this through this lived experience, through this lens, through this trauma brain, through this whatever. Um, And somebody is coming to me and saying, hey you're missing something Mm -hmm. um i i can choose i can choose violence and go you're attacking me or i can choose peace of mind and go hang on a moment (laughs) there's maybe something i haven't considered here and just be a chill dude you know (laughs) just be chill and learn from that experience and grow and Mm -hmm. be better that is what growth is right
0: on the on the subject, because you mentioned alignments as something that can especially when they're associated with specific races and so on and so forth, the it's been really interesting playing Wagadu, where alignments really aren't an issue, and in fact morality itself is pretty. De- it's defined as being very gray in the in the mm. so in the book itself. It talks about how. Um, it's there, nothing is necessarily entirely good or bad it's a matter of perspective and it's it's basically a completely different framework of morality because in contrast to dungeons and dragons it's dr- drawing from uh, i guess a more uh african f- uh moral framework whereas mm. dnd uh though it. Is officially religiously unaffiliated, I think it's fair to say, is ultimately drawing from a Judeo Christian framework in morality. Mm-hmm. Uh, which <laughs> brings me to my other question, Uh, which is a segue, Jeremy. uh, You should do this more (laughs) often. Uh, Thank you. I've been writing a segue through this entire conversation. Uh, That's
2: why Jeremy's been quiet. Yeah, My background
0: is actually not this is not my real room. I'm outside. Uh, I need a segue through this whole conversation. Um, uh, So, Neil, correct me if I'm wrong, but you are, in fact, a person of faith, Mm -hmm. uh, as am I, uh, specifically the Christian faith. And I really wanted to because this is something that I almost never hear discussed in any context Uh, but how do you as a person of faith approach D&D considering it's very messy history and in some cases messy present with religions this is not just Christianity but I know there are people of other religions like I've seen posts from uh, Muslim people talking about how certain things in D&D make them uncomfortable and so on and so forth how do you as a person of faith approach the game and those elements of the game that might normally be considered problematic.
3: Yeah. And and so to, to add a little bit more context, both Mitch and Chris are currently their employment is as youth pastors at Christian churches, um, and additionally, the person that originally got it to got me into D anD um, At the time, he was an ordained minister, and his go to catchphrase was like, "I could marry and bury you." I'm like, "That's super weird. I don't know why you tell people that." Um, <laughs> stop Like, yeah. no, yeah, I'm marry and bury me. Oh, <laughs> these
1: are
0: huge um, life events. Yeah. Like, okay. Something. Cool. Um, yeah. I'm too young for either. How much time hustling. is
1: passing yeah. between? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Same um, day, baby. Same day. Wow. Maybe not even in that order. <laughs> yeah. Whoa.
3: Whoa.
1: <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> it's Friday. It's Friday, folks. Yes.
3: So. Well, I, I think. <laughs> I think the biggest thing is like to one to one say that like yeah there are definitely. Countless past issues and probably countless current issues with the way that the the term I kind of like using is the way that structured religion approaches certain things, um, and it, I think it just it will always keep going back to the fact that words have meaning. But if you're also if they're not choosing to interrogate what they're trying to, in some aspects condemn when it when it is related to D and D, then I don't understand what. Because if you're not asking the right questions, like why do you already have the answers? Um, So the idea Mm. of that D&D is all of this, but I'm just like, but you know nothing about it. So, And that's not also to say that in certain areas at certain tables, they're right. Like I can make D&D vile. Um, And like Mm. if that's what everyone's agreed to, then that's the table that I'm at. And I, I can, because it's all about the people at your table It should feel safe. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, That's not to say that they won't feel uncomfortable because part of that is part of the game. But they should always feel safe at your table. And if your table is safe with a lot of body horror and things like that, the, and then that's the game that they want to play in the same way that mm-hmm. if a, you – there's no reason that a Muslim person couldn't play the most fulfilling game of D&D because you're making it safe and you're asking those right questions of what mm-hmm. – are, are there lines and veils for them in the same way that like like I said, um, I remember a story of the person that got me into it. They were at a at a home game and someone had – was playing a wizard and they, they came to the table and they had a physical spell book that they were like opened up and were like reading out basically incantations. And so that's the, yeah. 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 So
1: that's. (laughs) So
3: so the culmination of that story was them basically saying, you're a rogue now. Um, Because they weren't comfortable with that (laughs) at at their table. Like the person just showed (laughs) about the blue, literally like, opened a book and bi- to for that player basically said that I can't cast my spells if I don't do this. And...
1: Okay, well then, sir, you cannot. Looks like you can't yeah. come yeah. can't yeah. cast. You can't be in my house Sorry. because I don't need anything coming. I don't know what you yeah. believe yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If someone Ooh. playing a warlock turns up with a Ouija ah. board, get out! I, you, get tell out. You, what, you
2: don't have to leave. You don't have to leave my house. Yeah. I'm gonna leave no. my house. I don't want to be anywhere. Guys, my vial of pig
0: blood arrived. No. Blood, a huge bucket. Get out, <laughs> yeah. sir. Just you just can of the get game, yeah. Who we resurrected? You can get all the way out. You yeah. can get
1: out of the state. You can get out of my WhatsApp group. You can get out of my Facebook. Block, 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 in the block, 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 out of my life. But I guess if that's,
0: at the same time, if that's the game that you want to be yeah. playing, like you said, you know, if that's yes. the game that you're playing of at course. your table. I, I think Absolutely. it comes down to a conversation. And I, what it sounds like you're saying is that really that, that d d is uh, a framework. It's not as prescriptive as people sometimes consider it to be. So those elements that could be problematic could easily be re-skinned. Because at their core, it's they're just... They're just a frame on which to hang mm. stuff. Mm. You don't have to call yeah. if if you're on if you are in a religion that mi- causes uh, like makes you uncomfortable with dealing with like infernal stuff, fiendish stuff, anything to do with demons or devils or hell or the the abyss or anything like that. You can easily just reskin it or just not include it in the game. Descent of Avernus no longer exists. Bah! But...
1: <laughs> like okay. yeah, you can. <laughs> throw out. Out. And, yeah, and yeah.
0: you you can. But th- I think the core is that it has to be a conversation between the people at the table, what they're comfortable with. I guess if you're a group of like Wiccans playing D&D, you might want to include more stuff to do with like calling on the forces of nature and so on and so oh. forth. And maybe you do want to be cast in spells at your table. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But-
3: the The other thing I think about is like even even looking at like a religion is, is does the religion in that D&D setting, is that something that makes the person uncomfortable? Mm. Because there's no reason mm. why I can't just take the stack of of deities and go squish. And now I have a D&D setting that is monotheistic. Like mm-hmm. yeah, done. Like it's different aspects of the one God that is in the setting that I play. Okay.
2: Yeah. yeah. I, I think, I think something that's making me realize as well is that, uh, to, to an extent, we've discussed this many times where, uh, the, the, the bad, the, the downside that we feel like, uh, that's currently happening with a lot of additions and a lot of things that come out that are still problematic and that aren't being dealt with is that, the, the, the People that make the game don't give you enough tools, don't sort of show people enough uh, how to remove those problematic elements or change them or help people feel safer at tables, etc. Um, not necessarily that they can't be; it's like they're not encouraged to do so enough. Uh, they have to kind of go out of their way, listen to shows, you know, watch videos, etc., on how to do that. And the the reason I say that is because I I wonder whether uh, speaking in this context, especially when you've got say. Um, a game which, uh, uh, I mean, several classes uh, deal very intrinsically with religion within game, mm. etc. it's making me realise that actually the, the likelihood is that you're probably never going to get to a point where Dungeons & Dragons is going to be A-OK for everyone. Uh, it, but purely on the basis that, like, you know, if you're dealing with a uh, religion of any kind, there, there will almost certainly be counter-ideals, etc. Um, but what I, what it's making me think is like actually exactly what you're saying there, Neil, is that if, if the way that they framed it, if the way they brought you the material and said like, Hey, here's the guidebook, do you know what I mean? Here's the the thing. And then just very quick, like very easily gave you like a, if you want to remove this stuff, here's how to do it. If you want to remove this stuff, this is how you do it. If you want to change something, this is how you do it. Like, that's where I feel like the, the, there is the issue. The real issue for me is they don't give you the, the kind of tools to very easily, rework something or very easily change something mm. uh so that you feel almost like it's very that it, it makes it feel like the onus is on you and i feel like the onus should still be on like the makers of the game to give you those to give you that I, I think
3: mm. even unspoken unspoken that onus is there uh, whether or not watsi realizes it or not something that i've come mm. to uh a, a, more, a lighter version of this conversation but come to the same realization is that certain people won't do certain things unless they're in like a, like an official yes. watsi published material and I'm like wait what yeah. but but why yeah. you're why? in charge you do you <laughs> like <laughs> but but, yeah. but the cleave rule but, just helps yeah, but, just but, but some people don't <laughs> feel empowered to do certain things and use yes. certain rules until they've seen it in an officially published watsi material exactly and so that yeah. to speak to that to say that 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 onus ends up being there because that's how some people feel is that they, they mm, won't yeah. do it until they see it in a book um
2: uh, yeah. And that's absolutely where it feels like yeah. for me, it feels so important then that, 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 uh, was the coast. then do more. Uh, cause you know, I think that there was, we, you know, we had did a whole episode on like Tasha's for instance, where they introduced like why they introduced the changing of ability scores, etc. But it was like, it was still kind of like, and I think in there, there was a, a thing about dealing with, um, kind of like dealing with other cultures or, or, you know, but it was like half a page and it's like, well, okay, I think we can, we can bring more front and center these things to allow people, the owners to enrich your game. Book you know a whole book yeah, yeah you could easily fill a whole volumes book volumes in fact uh, <laughs> you
1: know with pictures uh, <laughs> I will I will do the audiobook for free <laughs> no whoa, actually no, no, not for free enough? my minimum rate is no 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 no, 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 no. my minimum out. rate is 250 pounds an hour thank you very much the contact, yeah, yeah. contact my agent
2: Yunati has decided to leave Three Black Halflings because she is now uh, doing the audiobook for all published Wizards of the Coast material, so she's going to be busy but for a while. a hey? <laughs> Not
1: seeing sunlight.
2: No, 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 no. Just a no, 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 uh,
0: no. no, 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 no. I guess uh,>. <laughs> with that, um, uh, one thing that we always like to do on the show, every time we have a guest, uh, is... To get a tale from the table, Neil, that is a fun, crazy, chaotic, dramatic story that has happened in-game to you or someone else at a table that you've been at. Uh, the more chaotic, the better. Neil, do you, do you have a tale from a table? Oh, you can uh, make
1: me cry too. I've been loving those. <laughs> we
0: do enjoy uh, tragic uh, or heartwarming cry stories. Are also welcome. Mm. Oh, mm-hmm.
3: I mean, I can. It's not really my. T- it's not my tale to tell. But uh, it's been told to me. So, I mean, if you really want to make you cry, I can. Like that. please. That's, okay. Don't oh, know why I, I just heard. said that. Perfect. So <laughs> this is this is a tale from a table as told to me by Ed Greenwood, because we did have him on um, a while ago. And he is at this point just definitely just real world Elminster. Um, but he said one of the most impactful things. And I think this speaks to I think this speaks well to what D&D has always had the potential to be. But the wrong people have gotten in the way of that at times. Um, so that's to say that this is an older story of a convention where you have, I mean, I am very stereotypical when it comes to what um, bad D&D can physically look like, um, but a lot of neckbeards, if you will, were at a table and a nine-year-old girl sat down at their table to play. They said, absolutely, we have an open an open seat. Go ahead, come sit, sit with us and enjoy the game. Um, and so she played a paladin um, and she was go- they were going and the parents had stepped off to another piece of the convention and so they're playing they're playing and basically you have very similar to a Hodor moment Um, and this nine-year-old has been so so engrossed in the game and knows that this is what her character would do and she decides to sacrifice her paladin character knowing that it's the right thing to do for her and her character so that the rest of the party can survive and what ends up happening oh, is my. that she's like basically bawling crying at this table because it's so emotional for her and the parents are like oh my gosh what did you do to our daughter and literally this group of neck white neck beard people are like cheering her on l- physically and emotionally lifting her up for the choice that she's made and that's what d d is
2: wow yeah
3: so, wow. and that's what D yeah. and that, that, that's I say. That's what D and D has always had the chance to be, and the wrong people get in the mm. way at
0: times.
1: I'm done. Yeah. I can't. That one. That one's <laughs> actually done me in
2: oh that was a really good that That was a really good story that was a strong that was a great tale from the table yeah
0: it's yeah yeah
2: i love that Uh, wholesome tales from the table is now like a thing yeah it's It's so uh, true that
0: is that is absolutely what the game could be at its best Mm -hmm. 100 percent that's really cool,
1: that and moment. it's
2: such a and, and and you know I've said on this I've said on this show before about the 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 fact that in a very physical way that our memories and our imagination are in the same part of our brain, so that when you're imagining d and D game, it goes in the same place as your memories. And I think about that nine year old girl, that's like mm-hmm. a full memory for her. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. she fully remembers that moment, and I just think it's yeah. just that's incredibly powerful like i remember when i was a i remember more imagine imagine like imaginative mm-hmm. stuff yes that'll do that'll do you are correct uh, it, from my childhood oh. than i do like real stuff do you know what i mean like i remember cuz i was always a kid that was off in fairyland yeah. somewhere do you yeah. know what i mean uh, like imagining something running through the woods woods playing star wars or you know whatever with my friends and like it's it's so impactful it's so powerful and i think that you know you're, you're absolutely right i think for those uh, for those white neck uh, beard neck guys as you just said like what a moment to like recapture some of that kind of just like youthful uh imaginative joy do you know what i mean and uh, and just yeah what a what an amazing uh, story wow i bend Love the
1: that. knee to that girl mm-hmm.
2: yeah <laughs> Uh, what's the, has what's the name yes.
3: <laughs>
1: she ha- she yes. has my soul. If she ever needs someone to go to war, I'm there. Yeah.
2: Is it uh is it the uh, the Lady Mormon? Is that who it is? Oh the girl yeah, Liana Mormon. Liana Mormon, that's what it was, yeah. So Liana Mormon. Like I am like in
1: my head now that girl grew
2: up mm-hmm. to be Liana Mormon. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> that would be awesome. That'd be so awesome.
1: I bet she's a badass right now. I'm oh, sorry, yeah. I that's bet, what I, did I bet do. She's yeah. just out here doing yeah, things, 100%. changing the world. Because I think that, like D and D, can give you that impetus. And if you learn those life skills at that young age, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. It, yeah. oh man, sorry, I'm like, I've got goosebumps. Like oh, that's yeah. amazing. S- S-
2: uh, sixth edition, there's gonna be uh, a female head writer. We're gonna all like, my <laughs> <"Ooh,
0: laughs> <"Exactly. I don't laughs> <need." laughs> yeah 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 yeah,
2: absolutely you and it's like soul. the best least problematic edition everyone's happy it's just it. all great uh um wow neil thank you so much for for coming on this has been so amazing like uh, yeah you've just been dropping little truth bombs all over this, uh, this episode to i'm gonna go re- listen to it us with truth. <laughs> nothing yeah, but it was it it was great Uh, So Neil, please tell uh, the listeners, the the Halflings, uh, where they can find more of your stuff, where they can get you on the internet and consume more of these uh, incredible truth tidbit bombs. Definitely. So
3: if you go to your podcatcher of choice, which my brain always thinks like of a literal like person catching pods (laughs) for me Um, with a a, a net and everything yes Um, so (laughs) you can definitely search dungeon masters block or dm hyphen nastics and then of course the one that we didn't really talk about but if you happen to like young justice a cartoon um, that is coming back for a fourth season that's the other podcast that I do so whelmed at the young justice files Uh, twitter handles would be at dms underscore block or at dms And for me personally, that's again, at Jotmoniac, Jack of all trades, master of none, IAC.
2: Love it. Thank you so much for, for coming on, Neil. Uh, and thank you, Halflings. Obviously, you can find us as always on the internet. You can follow us on social medias at, uh, TB Halflings. Uh, we also have our Patreon as well, which is, uh, patreon.com forward slash TB Halflings, uh, where you can get more TBH goodness. And I think that's about everything for this week. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for listening. And we will see you very, very soon. So long, Shire Folk! So long, oh, long Shire Folk! Shia folk.
3: Meow. Keep on dungeon mastering.